If you have your Bible, let me share uh, something with you that was stirring around in my heart. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe it's, it, it would be wise of us to be mindful of the enemy's strategic plans to destroy us. Now, you know, in, in the teaching that I do, I don't talk about the devil so much, and that's not my subject tonight. However, uh, we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. Understand this, God has given us all the victory in every area in Christ. He already has. He's on our side. Okay? But that's not the only part of this equation. All right? Since the enemy cannot stop what Jesus already did for you and me, he will try to set up roadblocks, try to raise hindrances to keep us from walking in what the Lord has made available to us. Okay? And so being aware of that, of that fact, and also being aware sometimes of how he gets in to cause those hindrances would do us well. And one of those things, one of those hindrances has to do with hurt. I've been hurt. I have pain. And it oftentimes will close off a person to receiving God's best in their life. Now understand this, that you don't get any credit for, for pain. Now let me explain what I mean by that. If a person goes through a bunch of junk and they hurt because of it, they suffer because of it. You don't get extra credit in life. There's not a benefit to going through stuff. Now listen, there's a benefit to overcoming if you overcome. So many people don't ever overcome stuff though. There is no benefit to being injured by somebody else. It's not going to be that if I was really hurt by someone, someone did me wrong, that when I get to heaven, that I'm going to get extra reward for that because I had to really put up with stuff that maybe someone else didn't, and so the Lord's going to pile extra reward on me because I went through that. Everybody understand where I'm coming from here? There is just no benefit. Now, we understand when you talk about persecution for the gospel, there does seem to be reward for that. All right? You, there, is, uh, there is perks. Hebrews talks about some not receiving, accepting deliverance, that they could have a better resurrection. And that's talk about being persecuted for the kingdom of God's sake. Okay? That's not primarily what I'm talking about here, though. If I, if I suffer in life with cancer... And I really, you know, it just really eats up a lot of my life. That doesn't make my entrance into heaven more glorious. Everybody listening? 
I don't know. I don't know if this comes across hard at all for anyone. It doesn't. It doesn't take away anything from your entrance into heaven. It just doesn't add. If someone has done me wrong, caused me heartache, hurt me in some way, or if I have given my life for someone else's life, you know what? Where I laid myself down and because of it had all kinds of extra pressure and stress and ended up maybe dying young. I don't get extra credit for that. Now, now laying my life down for someone, all good. But if I, in the process, receive a bunch of junk, it's not like that's a, uh, that, that's a, a better thing, okay? There is no glory in being hurt. I don't think it's, I don't think that if I allow myself to be limited in life because someone did me wrong that when I stand before the Lord He's going to say you know what I understand why you didn't do my will why you didn't walk in the victory it's because someone hurt you now don't take this wrong does the Lord is the Lord compassionate? Absolutely, no question of that. Here, there, it's who He is, merciful and kind. But what I, and this is what we need to get, what I allow to hinder me, what I allow to keep me back in life, is up to me. There are some things I really must resist, and I know for some. Man, it's a challenge because when it gets you in the heart, I'm talking about emotional and mental things. I know that can be very real and a challenge for people to overcome. However, it's necessary that we do so. If I end up worn out in life, if I pour myself out so much that I die young with a heart attack, that is not because I followed the Spirit of the Lord so closely or I lived by the Word to such a strong degree, it is really because I didn't. It's not that when you really live for God, I'm not talking about persecution or those who've given their life for the gospel, okay? Most of us are not in that situation. All right. But when I talk about giving my life fully to the Lord, serving Him completely, that doesn't end up in a lower quality of life. It never does. It doesn't end up in my life being run down early. And I think sometimes people have the idea that their level of commitment to the Lord is demonstrated with how many times they've, uh, with how, I don't know how better to say it, how run down their life is. Well, because I've really sacrificed for the Lord. That is not the picture that we should have in our mind of walking tight with Him. But over and over again, I see in the Word promises of, of good things. Of things getting better and better. 
Amen. Did I tell you to go to Hebrews? Let's look over here, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, did I say? I want 12. I want 12 verse 5. You don't get any points for being wrong. <laughs> I know I said it wrong. Okay. Hebrews 12, 5. It says, you have, no it doesn't, that was four, verse five, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, my son do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you were rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he received. Now, you recall that just recently in another message we talked about how the chastening of the Lord, that word simply means uh, child training. Remember that? Okay, it's not the Lord. The Lord's not putting cancer on people and, <laughs> you know, taking away their, their dog and, and whatever. No, it, it, it's, child, it's the Lord training His children. Just like you would never hurt your child, harm them. You know, maybe when they're young, swat. But uh, you would never do You would never harm your child with a disease or something like that. Uh, uh, as a good parent in your training, neither would the Lord do that with us. Also, of course, He deals with us spiritually, not physically, as you'll see here. Okay, it says if you endure chastening, God deals with you as uh, as sons. Notice that phrase. If if you endure, how many know that puts it in our ball court? All right. If you endure, that means when training comes to you from the Lord, it's not automatic that you endure it. Because training is not necessarily fun. Hmm. Therefore, that's the reason many people, when things come to them from the Lord, where He wants to help them step up, to increase, to grow, uh, they resist it. Because it's not comfortable. And they've learned since they were two, you know, when they went sliding across the grocery store floor. <laughs> And they screamed until they got their candy. And then mom or dad said, all right, you can have it. And they've been doing it ever since. If you got everything you want as a child, Lord help you. But the Lord will help you, will allow you. Because I know that's a lot of people. Because I know parents are still doing that. I see it. And I think, ooh, if you don't change that now, you are in trouble when they turn 13 <laughs> or somewhere, you know. Uh, they're going to be more than kicking around on the grocery store floor. <laughs> be kicking around some other stuff. Anyway, if, if you had that grown up, then you have an extra challenge in life. Why? Because when training comes to you and discipline comes to you from the Lord, you'll resist it. You just won't receive it. You'll say, ah, I'm good, or, you know, or it's uncomfortable. You'll feel led to do different things at times, <laughs> and it won't have anything to do with the Spirit's leading. You'll, you might say that. You'll tell people, I was led, but you weren't. You were led by your head. <laughs> you were led by the flesh. You were led by, it's hard. Hmm? And what's the reason why a lot of us don't work out very often? <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> 
know what I'm saying? It's not exactly fun. Some like it. <laughs> I'm not calling you a bad person if you don't work out. I'm just saying we understand the reality of how these things work. Okay? If you endure, endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom, the, whom a father does not chasten? Uh, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, that's interesting, all have become partakers. That means the Lord is talking to every single one of us. Not condemning us, not, talking, not reminding us of sin, no, but He is training us. He's dealing with us to step up. He's dealing with us to uh, make adjustments at times. Every single one of us, he, either I'm yielding to that and receiving that and growing, or I'm not receiving it and I'm staying the same or getting worse. This is true for every child of God. Because of His love for us, He will not leave us the way that we are. <laughs> he will give us, the net, and some of that's coming right here. It comes through... Uh, church services and through other means but it comes and we either receive and go up or we resist and stay the same or go down but he does this with every one of us okay let's see what verse am I in eight the last part of eight then you are illegitimate not sons furthermore we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live. So God deals with us spiritually. Uh, for they indeed, uh, for a few days, chastened us to seem best to them, but he for our profit, that we may bar- be partakers of his holiness. So God's helping us, right? Doing this for our benefit. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now he's quoting from Isaiah here in Old Testament Scripture. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Don't hang your head down. <laughs> Be strong here. The Lord's dealing with us. He's talking to us. He's training us and helping us. So stand up straight. Come on now. Take it like a man. Take it like a woman. Make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. But you know, when the Lord deals with you, things get better. If we yield to it, things get better. If we resist, we're on our own. I don't know about you, I didn't get into this to be here on my own. I didn't give my life to the Lord so I can just continue to be on my own. No, I want His involvement. But His involvement does come his way. The Lord says, yes, I'll be involved in your life. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll provide for you. I'll get you healed. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be your source. I'll be your strength. I'll be your comforter, your counselor. I'll be your everything in life. He wants to be that to me. He wants to be that to you. But part of the process of that happening is this. He's going to train me. He's going to work with me. And I must yield to it. I must give in. I must allow him that place. He won't force it on me. He'll do it. He'll bring it to me, but he won't force me into anything. He's a, he's a gentleman. The enemy's a forcer. He'll try to push you. The Lord will lead us. But I've got I to yield to this. All right? Where am I at? 14. 
14, but pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It has to do with perception there. Okay, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. What happens? See, notice that people are falling short of the grace of God. What does that mean? How many understand grace is God's unmerited favor? It's His ability. It's God doing in us what we couldn't do on our own. It's He. It's Him doing in me and enabling me to do what I couldn't do without Him. I don't want to fall short of that. If I fall short of that, I'm on my own. If I resist His correction, His instruction, His training in my life, I'm operating in my own strength and ability. I've fallen short of His grace, of His ability working through me. Okay? And life can be really hard. It really can. There's a lot of junk can show up. But I know this when I'm yielding to Him. And I can do things I could never do. Okay. He said, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. See, a, a root of bitterness, how does that happen? Why does that come up in, in people's lives? How does a root take place in someone? And in this case, bitterness. I'm telling you, it's not directly that the devil talked to you. The devil came and he put a root of bitterness in me. No. We understand these things come through people. They come oftentimes through people who do us wrong. I'm not saying the enemy's not involved in that, in temptation and, and so forth, but the devil will work through people to try to get to this end. If if he can work through someone else and get you so preoccupied with what they did to you, how they hurt you, how they uh, wronged you in some way, then he has successfully put a huge roadblock in your way. If I allow those things to remain in me, the Lord hasn't changed. His grace and goodness towards me have not changed. But what has happened is my heart now has become uh, hardened. My heart has come, come into a position where I'm not able to fully receive and walk in the fullness of God. Understand, it's not the Lord withholding His glory and presence and blessing from any of us. But we through life make choices of what we're going to allow to remain in us, what we're going to allow to, uh, to build up and, and, and allow to, uh, to cause pain and suffering. And we're going to choose what we walk away free from. The Lord will lead us out of all that junk. But too many times I think people are uh, endeavoring to receive from the Lord. And they see the promise. They hear it preached in church. They see the promise of amazing, abundant life. But it seems they seems like they can't get it. They struggle to wrap their arms around it and embrace it and live it, even though they can quote the verses. And oftentimes it's because of experiences they've had in the past that haven't fully been let 
they haven't let go of all of them. And there's junk hanging off them. There's, it's like junk hanging on their heart. It's in the way. They love God. God loves them. But there's this stuff, this bitterness that keeps them from walking in God's fullness. And certain things will, uh, will keep them in bondage. They'll quote the scriptures. But this other stuff is in the way. And that's why it must be let go. Intentionally. Purposefully. Look, look what he said here. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. And what some have done is they've chosen their hurt. They've chosen the memory of bad stuff happening to them. They've chosen that over the blessing of God. Whether they intentionally are saying that, usually not. They're not saying, Lord, I want the pain instead of the gain. Uh, they're not saying that, but by embracing some of the junk and, re- and, and not letting that go, they're making a choice. Like Esau, some of you remember the story, he was hungry. He was super hungry, and so his, his brother Jacob said, yeah, I'll, you know, uh, I'll give you some of this soup that he made uh, with his mom. I'll give you some of this soup for your birthright, and he did it, and God was not happy about that. It was not an honorable thing to do. There are certain things that are more important, and you don't give them up to satisfy a temporary need. All right. And I don't want to give up God's best or His blessing or, or, or His instruction and training in my life. I don't want to give it up because I hurt. I don't want to let my pain or what has happened to me be allowed to stand as a wall of excuse in my life where I say, I'm not doing that, but this is why it's what so-and-so did to me. It's what happened to me before. But I lost this, and you don't know what that's like, and no one can understand what I've gone through, and I've got this thing in my life. That's why. Well, a person is right. They have it in their life, but they must, if they ever want to move on and walk in God's best, they've got to stop embracing their pain. Stop embracing that hurt or that bitterness or sometimes unforgiveness or whatever it was that was done to them or something they experienced, something that happened in their life. It's vital to moving forward. Amen. The Lord doesn't want us to hold on to pain of any kind. The emotional kind. Amen. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Got a few more minutes? Philippians 2. Understand a hardened heart only costs the person who has it. Do you feel justified in your bitterness at times because someone else was to blame? Well, I feel this way. I'm ticked off. I'm upset. I'm hurt. But it's because of them. Well, listen. Welcome to the human race. That someone someone causes someone else pain. <laughs> that someone does something selfishly and, uh, and they hurt others. Unfortunately, I wish we could just say that will never happen again once you accept Jesus. You become impervious to people. <laughs> That's just not the way things are. 
but we must learn how to deal with it. We must. And if someone felt like throwing in the towel at times, well, stuff this. I don't have to put up with this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to go away. I'm just going to go somewhere. I, listen, you don't get any points for that. Say, but it's justified. Well, I'm not justifying a person doing you wrong. That's not right. But my response to that is not justified if I end up letting that drive me around in life to make wrong decisions or, or to, to lack commitment with any other person. Maybe it's a, a, you know, a marriage or a romantic relationship and one person hurts another, so the person from that point on, they're just, bless God, I'm never going to put up with that again. I'm never going to put myself in that position again because I'm just never going to have that happen to me. Well, can we understand? Sure. But is it the right thing to do? No. Because that kind of position, that kind of hardening of the heart will not only resist that very thing, it'll, it will keep all kinds of things out of your life. It will, it will keep you away from, from God's best in many areas. You'll pray and things won't really happen. Not because God's withholding. It's just a, a block of reception. You know, going back uh, to my earlier point, Philippians 2, verse 25, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your, uh, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost to death. But he, uh, but he did it for a good reason, and so he got extra credit. Is that what the scripture says? <laughs> no. He was sick and he was, he was close to dying. It says, but God had mercy on him. When does mercy come into play? Mercy is not needed for the person who does everything right, but the person who does something wrong. Now, it's interesting what happened with this, what this guy did wrong. He went on to say, not only on him, but on me also, because Paul cared for him greatly, uh, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more earnestly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, that, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and, and hold such men in esteem. Verse 30. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In other words, basically, he ran himself down for a good reason to serve his people, to preach the gospel, to do the work of God. That was why he almost died, because he worked himself so hard, but yet he wasn't commended for it. Isn't that interesting? God didn't say, you know what, if I could get everyone else to work like you, to give your life like that, man, we sure would be down the road quite a bit. No, the Lord had mercy on him. Mercy. That means, Epaphroditus, you shouldn't have run yourself into the ground. You shouldn't have worn yourself out. If I wear myself out at 45 uh, uh, preaching the gospel because I go so hard, and then do, am I gonna, you know, am I gonna show up in heaven? And the Lord says, "Wow, you did more in 45 years than almost anyone does." No, I think it would be more like, you know, welcome, welcome, and everything. We're glad you're here. You could have had a few more decades at least getting stuff done in the kingdom of God. Amen. Those of you who are of the workaholic nature, 
you don't get points for that. I worked hard to support my family. I worked overtime. Well, that's not what the Lord wants of us. I mean, your, your heart of being a provider is, is honorable, right? But the fact that someone wears themselves out, that's not what the Lord wants in our lives. He wants us to live long, satisfying lives. Fulfilled. Amen. Walking in the blessing. Maybe we need to trust Him some more. Look at the first chapter, Philippians. we got to understand and learn how to deal with people. If I hadn't learned some of this, and don't get me wrong, I'm still learning some of this, uh, I would not be in ministry. I don't know if how, how many realize, but sometimes pastors have to deal with people that are very hard to deal with. They're the ones that don't come on Wednesday nights. No. <laughs> That's why this is so easy here tonight. But seriously, it takes a commitment of any on any one of our parts to not allow certain things to remain a hindrance and a problem with us. You cannot allow hurt to be an excuse for not moving forward and doing the will of God. I'm telling you, there wouldn't be many pastors <laughs> thanks, and ministers that last more than just a few years in ministry. You'd have churches all over. The, they wouldn't have pastors and those with an actual call on their life because everyone would throw in the towel unless they learn how to deal with some things. And I'm not saying it. I'm not saying I know I'm not talking to a church full of pastors here tonight. This is true for all believers. Amen. Where did I tell you to go? Philippians 1:15. Paul Paul wrote this um, from jail, by the way. <laughs> How do you deal with that? He said, "Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill." The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Think of what he's saying. He said, there are people out there preaching Jesus, and the reason they're doing it is to get me in trouble. They want me to suffer more. And he knew, he knew this was a reality. And he's telling you about some, the reason some of the people are preaching out there is so I can suffer some more. Imagine if you knew that. You're sitting in jail for doing the will of God, for preaching the gospel. I mean, now you got to be kind of tough. And yet other people are trying to make it worse for you. He said, But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. He found a reason right in the middle of all people doing him wrong. He found a reason to rejoice. And we must do this. There are times when all you can think about is how things are wrong and what people have done and how those have, people have let you down and hurt you. You must find something else so that that doesn't take root in you and become a permanent callousing of your heart. You must find something to rejoice about. 
Amen. And, 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 and Paul did that. He, he was even rejoicing. Well, at least those, you know, those turkeys that are doing this with the wrong motive, at least the gospel's going out. It almost seems like unreal. How do you come up with that? Was that scripted? Where did you get that? How can you say that honestly? He honestly rejoiced. He truly, I, don't, I think at times he had thoughts. There were temptations to go, those turkeys. <laughs> I can't believe what they're doing. And just get bitter and angry and upset, you know, ready to, can we go back to the Old Testament? Can we do a little fire down from heaven? Can we do a little earth opening up and swallow these suckers? But li- this, was, this was the truth. He literally rejoiced. He thought, oh, well, at least the gospel's going out. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's in jail. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If anyone had an opportunity to become upset or hardened or bitter, he certainly did. Amen. Look at Romans 16. Let me show you a couple more things. Romans 16. You guys are receiving real good, so that's why it's easy. The Lord's doing good things in our midst. Romans 16, verse 17, it says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine of which you learned and avoid them. Why would you do that? Why would you avoid them? It's so their division, it's so their offense doesn't get in you. Everybody listening. Is there ever a time when you should stay away from a person? There is. Now, that doesn't mean you, you see someone walking down the road, you have to go on the other side of the road. No, oh, stay away from me, stay away from me. No, it doesn't mean we act like heathens towards people. We love everybody, but we use our head. You know what I'm talking about? If every time I show up and shake your hand, you hit me in the nose. Oh, hey, how's it going? Boom. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop saying hi to you. Why? Because I'm bad and just full of unforgiveness? No, I have a brain. I, it hurts when I get around you. <laughs> okay? And there's sometimes, there's some relationships, some, some people that if we'll use our brain, we'll avoid because we don't want their bitterness to get in us. And this is a reality. I mean, I could, we could do a, a long lesson on this. Jesus talked about the leaven that leavens the whole lump. All right? There's a lot of things we need to protect ourselves from. And it's a serious issue. I don't want to get that junk in my heart because I will end up so closed off and so hardened just like the person who's walking in it now. They didn't have to get there, but listen, because one person does it, the enemy will try to use them. That's why we have this, to suck in a whole bunch of other people. He said, verse 18, For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. The simple are simply those who are uh, they have, you might say they're gullible in this case. They don't believe anyone could do anything wrong. So they're quick to just accept everything and everybody and never recognizing 
that some things and some people are actually out to hurt them. Amen. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. The person that, they, they believe everything. What? What happened? Really? Well, if you want to end up with that closed-off heart, then listen. Let your ears perk up. Really? Amen. Those who lack discernment between good and evil often fall prey to this. Let me give you one more verse. One more verse. Proverbs 29. One more verse to turn to. (laughs) Proverbs 29. Notice verse 1. It says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Who? This person who's often rebuked. Here's another translation. Uh, Sometimes I write the initials down. I think it's the English version. T-E-V. Does that sound right? The English version. I think that sounds right. (laughs) The T-E-V. It says... If you get more stubborn every time you are corrected, one day you will be crushed and never recover. If you get more stubborn every time you are corrected, one day you will be crushed and never recover. So we have a choice of a response when the Lord in His great love for us wants to train us, adjust our course, help us with things. And if we respond the wrong way, we become hardened. We become resistant to good things. And if we do that frequently enough, one day you're never coming back. That's sad, isn't it? But it's also a warning to us. Never take ownership. Never take pride or feel justified or feel like you're in your rightful position to hold on to pain to hold on to a hurt, to hold on to something that someone has done to you wrong. Say, no. You know, it doesn't mean you, you, you make it okay, but it does mean that I'm not going to let what you do to me hinder me from going forward. And sometimes that person's wrong, but sometimes you know what, what it is? Sometimes they're right. Sometimes it's the Lord working through a person to help us but because we're just not so comfortable with people telling us what to do sometimes we're not accepting of correction or 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 adjustments that need to be made we resist and act like oh that's the devil when it's not it's the lord and his great love endeavoring to help us and in his help when we yield to it watch what happens we yield to it your heart becomes tender and pliable and adjustable and it's it's a it's a receiving type of heart but when we don't receive it we not only resist that but now the next thing we want because we didn't want that but we should want it the next thing we really want it's hard to receive it's like we it's like we've conditioned our heart for things to bounce off of us Because we resisted something that was uncomfortable, 
it now got hard and now the things we want don't manage to penetrate. And how many know this? Everything we receive from the Lord is received inwardly before it's received outwardly. Whether it's an answer to prayer, a healing in your body, finances, whatever it is you're receiving from the Lord, you get it inside first, then it shows up outside. That's the way the kingdom of God works. So I must guard. That's why Scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. It's so important that I make sure I take care of that area. Amen. Father, thank you for our time together tonight for the work of your spirit in our lives. I believe you're helping us not only to receive the freedom that belongs to us in Christ through the move of your spirit and the manifestation of your spirit, but Lord, to perpetuate, continue to walk in this victory. Every day of our lives, as we go forward, we thank you that you love us and you lead us in the way we should go, leading us out of pain and hurt and into into victory and into strength and help. For this we thank you. We give you praise tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen.